I'm going to call John on up here, and uh, I, I'm going to ask that he come. John is a friend. John is a friend. Many of the guests that we bring in that minister are people that we know. We, we've overlapped in their world. We've overlapped, and we know them, but John is just not somebody that we've overlapped with and know. John and Lisa and their boys are people that we count as friends. We count as friends. We call each other. We pray with each other. We dream together. And uh, so he's a friend. He's a minister. I feel like he's part of our church and team. So can you welcome him today as he brings the word, my friend, your friend, John Bevere. I love you, man. I love you so much. Thank you. you. Good morning, River Valley. Thank you so much. Everybody, everybody just remain standing. I, I love praying before bringing the word. Can I thank Ryan, wherever he is in this worship team, for an absolutely amazing time of worship. Man, isn't it wonderful to see the gift of God come forth and to bless us? I love that. And can I say, I look at this as my home church in Minnesota. I love you guys so much, been coming for years. And can I say that Pastor Rob is very humble, but what he didn't neglect to say is that River Valley has been a significant partner in helping us get these 43 million resources out to pastors and leaders in 226 nations of the world in 111 languages. You guys are gonna have so many people come up to you in heaven and say thank you for feeding me in Iran. Thank you for feeding me in Myanmar. Thank you for feeding me in Afghanistan. And you're gonna say, how did I do that? Because you went to this church, you were a part of this church, you gave in this church. This church understood the importance of making disciples of all the nations. And that's why I love your pastors so very much, Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca. And I'm telling you, please understand, this is my job. As the uncle, I'm not a guest speaker, I'm Uncle John. My job is to never let you take for granted the leaders that God has given you. I'm telling you folks, people ask me all over the United States, they say, who are the finest leaders you know in the country in the kingdom of God? Pastor Rob and Becca are always in my top three. Actually, I thought about it, like top three. They're they're just, they are. So please never take for granted. If that's all you get out of today, I hope you get it, okay? And then let me say this, that we have had an amazing year. You know, six months of meetings got canceled because of COVID, and I didn't travel at all, and I loved it because I got to get closer to my wife, Lisa, than we've ever been before. And, and so it was a real blessing. I know it was a time of suffering for so many. Please understand, I'm just trying to show a silver lining. Hopefully you enjoyed your family. Hopefully you got closer to your family. Because I believe COVID was almost like a forced sabbatical for us before the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God this earth has ever seen. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I I just really am believing that God's going to speak to our hearts today. I don't want to just give you a message. I want to see your life transformed. Amen. I want to see you change today. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. So let's ask him to do it. All right. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we celebrate this day of Pentecost. Lord, it's the church's birthday. It's the day that you poured out your spirit. What a gift, the guarantee of our inheritance waiting for us in heaven. You poured out 
your spirit in our hearts and upon us. And so I'm asking, Holy Spirit, again, that you would invade this sanctuary, that you would do what you love to do the most, reveal Jesus to us in a way like we've never seen before. As you do this, may we go from glory to glory and strength to strength, for I decree it will be done in this place on earth as it is in heaven. And for this, we give you all the glory, the honor and the praise and the thanksgiving. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody that agrees shouts. Come on, give him praise in advance for what he's going to do. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. All right, now this morning I'm going to share with you how the newest book I've written called X. <laughs> I got a bunch of millennials working for us. Um, you can tell. That's the title of the book is X. It's actually Multiply Your God-Given protect, uh, Potential. This message was birthed out of an actually an encounter I had with one of our financial partners. Um, I was in Los Angeles. He's given a lot to our outreach to the nations of the world. And he took me to play Riviera. On the way back, he said, John, I really want to open up with you. He said, you know, I've worked. I've just turned 50 years old. I've worked for 30 years, 30 years. I've worked my tail off to build our businesses to where they are. He said, my net worth now is well over $9 million. He said, my wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I work as hard over the next decade? And I remember this being a significant moment for this man's life. And I looked inside and I said, Holy Spirit, you got to give me an answer for this man's question. And he did. And instantly did. The thoughts came to me. And I said, hey, I said, Stan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question with a different scenario. You know, um, I've written, at that time it was 17 books. Now it's 22. I said, I've written 17 books. They're in over 100 languages. I've gotten on airplanes for now 30 years. I've traveled 12, over 12 million miles. I've stayed in little tiny 400 square foot hotel rooms all over the world in 60 nations for over two, for sometimes 229 nights a year. I said, I've eaten the craziest foods. I've experienced different cultures. I said, you know, my wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I get on another plane? Why should I write another book? Now, he laughed at me at that moment. And he said, I wouldn't, this is exactly what he said. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you face Jesus. And I said, Stan, you just said the exact same words. And I remember the smile left his face. He turned from downtown LA freeway and looked at me as if to say, what? He was a little upset. What are you talking about? I said, Stan, let me tell you something. Every child of God has a calling on their life, not just ministers. And I said, with that calling comes this, these unique supernatural gifts to accomplish that calling. And I said, we, we can do one of three things with these supernatural gifts because we're stewards of them. I said, we can use them to just build our own lives, our family, or we can use them as intended to build the kingdom, or we can just sit on them. And I said, Stan, to be really honest with you, your gifts are more valuable than mine. And he said, what? I said, yeah, the Bible says the parts that are not seen are more valuable than the parts that are seen. Mine's the seen gift, yours isn't. I said, you know what the problem is here, Stan? He said, what? I said, you've connected my dots on how they build the kingdom. I said, you haven't connected yours. Six months later, he calls me. I said, how you doing, Stan? He said, you want the honest truth? I said, yeah. He said, I've been haunted in a good way every day by the words you spoke to me six months ago. I said, what are you doing about it? He said, I'm busting my rear end to build my businesses up to 35 million so I can build the kingdom of God. I've connected my dots. Well, I just got a text from him a month ago and he said, hey, John, just wanted to say hey to you. This is $70 million Stan. So actually God doubled what he even anticipated. Are you getting this? 
You see, there is a statement made in the book of Ephesians that says we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But I wonder why we always stop right there. Because the very next word out of Paul's mouth is this, for. For means because of this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what he is saying there in those three verses is you were saved by grace to be a child of God, very important, but you were equally empowered by that same grace to do something. Jesus made a statement in John chapter four, verse 24. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Everybody say food. Food. What does food do? It strengthens us. Try doing hard labor after six days of not eating. You're not doing it. Jesus said, I get my strength from doing the will of God and finishing his work. Do you know what else Jesus said? A few chapters later, as the Father sent me, look at this, so I also send you, which means our food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Come on, I'm not getting enough amens right now. This is the nine o'clock crowd or 9.30 crowd. You're up, you're excited. You're the early birds. You get the worm. Come on, talk back to the preacher. I was raised Catholic, don't scare me. I don't wanna go to another Catholic church, okay? Although I love the Catholics, okay? So here's the deal, guys. Your calling is so important to your strength. In my 40 years of walking with Jesus, you know the number one reason that I see people backslide? It's because they're not engaged in what God's called them to do. True story, friend of mine, he has a uh, conference every year in which you know, his church is over 30,000 members and 2,500 delegates come into this conference. They're all leaders. And uh, he's got a really well-known medical doctor in this church, really well-known medical doctor. And he was walking through the sanctuary the day before the conference two years ago, and there's the medical doctor putting pamphlets on the seats for the delegates the next day for the start of the conference. He rushed over to the doctor and he said, Doc, Doc, you don't need to be doing this. We got interns and volunteers to do this. And he said, the doctor rebuked me. He said, Pastor, I take one week off my medical practice a year so that I can build the kingdom of God. Please don't take this from me. I have wept, wait a minute. I'm not happy about that statement. I've wept over that statement. I'm not kidding. I was doing a podcast a few months ago and I, start, I just broke down and started crying. Because you know what that man sees? He sees 51 weeks a year he's in the secular. And one week a year he gets to be in the sacred. For most people in church, when they come to church, my 90 minutes of church is sacred. My 15 minutes of prayer time in the morning is sacred. My small group is sacred. But the rest of the time, they see themselves in the secular earning a living. That is an absolute lie. If you are a believer, you are 24-7 in the sacred. The greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God is not gonna happen inside the four walls of the church. It's gonna happen outside. It's gonna happen in the education field. It's gonna happen in the government, in professional sports. Yes, the churches will benefit, but these are where we get gassed up to go out and see the move of God. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. If you look at Daniel, the Bible says Daniel distinguished himself among the government leaders of Babylon. He wasn't a pastor, he was a government leader. He comes out of this little country called Israel. He's brought into the most powerful nation of the world. And the king interviews him and says he's 10 times smarter, 10 times wiser, 10 times more innovative and creative than the best leaders in Babylon. 
He comes up with ideas that nobody had ever thought of before. He gets promoted above everybody. Can you imagine what the leaders in Babylon were thinking? We've been taught by the finest scientists, best leaders in the whole world. These guys come out of this little country. Where are they getting these ideas from? If you look at what Jesus said, John's the greatest born of women up to this time. John, which makes John greater than Daniel. Don't compare him. John's a prophet. Daniel is a government leader. But he said the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John, which means the least in the kingdom is greater than Daniel. If you listen to what Jesus said, he said, let your light shine that men may see your good works that they're wrought in God, not hear your good scriptures. We have so downplayed and, uh, the importance of our callings in the healthcare, in education. Let me give you an example. If you're a third grade public school teacher, you should be coming up with ideas of communicating wisdom and knowledge that is causing the rest of the teachers in the school and the principal to scratch his head and go, where is she getting this from? If you're an ER nurse, you should be coming up with ways of saving lives that the doctors are going, where are you getting this from? You weren't trained like we were because you have the gift of God on your life. Paul says in Romans 12, having gifts then differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I'm, I'm gonna identify three words. First word is grace. Do you know a poll was done all across America 10 years ago? And the question was asked to over 5,000 Bible-believing, church-attending Christians, give your definitions, all your one-word definitions of the grace of God. The overwhelming majority of the responses were salvation, a free gift, and forgiveness of sins. I'm so glad American Christians understand we're saved by grace, only by grace. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. And by it, your sins are forgiven. But here's the tragedy of the survey. Only 2% of those 5,000 said that grace was God's empowerment. Yes. Right. Right. Yet that's exactly how God defines his grace. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you. It's all you need. Now look at this, for my power. Now these words are in red. This is God saying this. God identifies this as grace as his power. Works best in your weakness. What's your weakness? Your human inability. Are you seeing this? Peter said, grace be multiplied to you as his divine power is given to us everything we need to live a godly life. You're, I love it. You're getting excited. You're getting me excited. Right? Are you seeing this? So what is grace? It is God's empowerment. Look at this definition. Grace is God's empowerment that gives us the ability to go beyond our natural ability. Let me tell you something about the call of God upon your life. Are you ready for this? Listen to me, stay-at-home moms. Listen to me, ER nurses. Listen to me, hairstylists. The call of God upon your life is beyond your natural ability. It is impossible for you to ever fulfill what God has put you on this earth in your own ability. How do I know that? Because God says, I'm not sharing my glory with anybody. So if God made your calling able to be accomplished in your natural ability, he'd have to share the glory with you. So God on purpose made your calling beyond your natural ability so you'd have to depend on grace to fulfill it. Now here's the tragedy. You can't have anything from heaven unless you believe and you can't believe what you don't know. So if 98% of the Christians in America don't know that grace is God's empowerment that gives me the ability to go beyond my natural ability, that means 98% of the Christians are trying to fulfill their calling in their own ability, which means 98% of the Christians in regard to our calling are failing. Sorry, I've only got a few minutes. I have to be a little blunt. Still with me? 
I hope I make you really uncomfortable. Pastor Rob will pastor this through the next couple of weeks, but I'm gonna make you really uncomfortable because I am fed up with everybody saying, all the ministry is done by the pastors. No, it's not done by us only. It is all of us. We are all called of God to build his kingdom. Everybody say amen to that. You still with me? All right, now I wanna show you another one. Having then gifts differing, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If you look at the Greek word for uh, grace, it's charis. Put an M and an A on it, what do you get? Charisma. What is charisma? A specific gift of grace that empowers an individual to fulfill what they've been created to do. If you look at the, the, the charisma in my life, what is it? There's a couple of them. Speaking. First time I spoke after we were married, Lisa fell sound asleep. First time she heard me. She slept my whole message. Her best friend was drooling out of the side of her mouth. I'm not kidding. I'm the front row. I make sure people don't sleep now because I got the gift of to, gift to speak. <laughs> Amen. Another one's writing. My worst subject in high school was English and creative writing. I scored 370 in the SAT and the verbal. That's pathetic. So when God came to me and said, son, I want you to write, I said, oh, you have so many kids on this planet, you're getting us mixed up with one another. I said, you don't want me to write. So I took his silence as an affirmation to my rebuttal. But 10 months later, two women came up to me from two different states within two weeks of each other. And they said the same words. They said, John Bevere, if you don't write what God's giving you to write, he'll give the books to somebody else. And one day you'll stand in judgment for it. When the second woman said it from the state of Texas, two weeks after the first woman from Florida, I got a notebook piece of paper. This was 1991. And I wrote contract with a Sharpie on top. I wrote a contract with God. I said, God, I think you're making a massive mistake. You have much better writers. I can't, I mean, talk to my English teachers. I can't write. So I need grace. I didn't even know grace empowered us then. I didn't learn that till later. And I signed the contract. And now the books today are in the tens of millions. They're in 129 languages all over the world. Does that, have any, does, that have, does that have anything to do with me? No. Paul says, what do you have that you didn't receive? So why do you act as if you didn't receive it? The only reason my name's on those books is I was the first guy to get to read them. <laughs> Amen. Good preaching. Thank you. All right. So now let's look at the next word. Let a man, this is 1 Corinthians 4.1. Paul says, let a man consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. Everybody say, I'm a steward. What are we stewards of? Charisma. The gift of God. Now, li listen to me carefully. Listen. Do you know what people think? If I live Christ-like, I'm kind to people, I forgive, I walk in obedience to the scripture, the gifts of God will work in my life automatically. No! The most godly man in the whole New Testament is a guy other than Jesus, is a guy named Timothy. Paul wrote to the entire Philippian church and said, I have never found a man more Christ-like than Timothy. Philippians 2. But yet Paul has to write to him later, two different letters. And in both letters, he says, Timothy, your God-given gift is not engaged. It's dormant. It's inoperative. Engage it. So listen, if you think just if you live Christ-like, your gifts will work, uh-uh. They have to be purposely engaged. Good preaching, John. Thank you so much. Now, you are a steward of these gifts. Now, if I'm made a steward of, of a car, if somebody gives me their Bentley and says, we, I want you to take care of this, 
That Bentley could sit in my driveway for nine months or I can go drive it. I'm a steward. They're not micromanaging me. See, this is one of the things you don't understand about a steward. A steward's never micromanaged. A steward, what is the definition of a steward? They manage something that belongs to somebody else. The charisma, my ability to write's not my ability. It's God's. My ability to speak, it's not my ability. It's God's. This man's ability to lead, which is absolutely amazing, it's not his ability. It's God's. Now, I'm not micromanaged. If you look at Joseph, he's the classic example of a steward. The Bible says that Potiphar didn't even know what was going on in his household other than the food he ate at his table. He committed everything to Joseph, trusted him. When God committed his charismas to you, whatever they are, whether it's removing tumors, painting, he determined he would not micromanage it. Now, Peter brings this all together. Look what Peter says. Look, watch this now. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, that's the Greek word charisma. Notice he says each one. Notice he doesn't say as each minister. See, here's the problem. We limit the gifts to inside the four walls of the church. Don't get me wrong. The gifts do work inside the four walls of the church, but I see that 98% of them work outside the four walls of the church. That anointing to remove a tumor doesn't work in a church service. That anointing to cut somebody's hair in a way like nobody has ever seen before doesn't work in a church service. See, Paul says it's like a human being's body. Look at this. Let me read the rest of it, and I'll tell you the example. He says, minister to one another as good stewards, there's the word stewards, of the manifold grace of God. Okay? So see, we are stewards of charisma. And notice he says manifold. It means many-sided. And Paul used the human body. I'm going to use it because you can't improve on it. If you look at my body, people study bodies for eight years and still don't even know everything that works. It has many different members. And each member has functions. My thumb can do things, my eyes can't do, my eyes can do things that my stomach can't do, my stomach can do things my liver can't do. And I could go on and on and on. Happy is the man or woman who knows their gifts and operates in them. Miserable is the man or woman who tries to operate in somebody else's gift. Wouldn't it be really crazy if when I woke up this morning, my thumb said, I'm gonna preach the River Valley this morning because Miles, you've been doing it for 35 years. It's my turn, let me in. (laughs) You still with me? All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 4 and I'll get to the, now that I've set up the message, I can talk about it. <laughs> Let a man so consider us the servants of Christ and stewards. Now watch this. Moreover, look at this carefully. It is required in stewards one thing. What is that one thing? Everybody shout it. Then one be found faithful. Now, I've asked leadership teams all over the world for 10 years. I've asked them, give me your definitions of faithful. So can I show you the most common responses? And they're actually good ones. Steadfast, consistent, dependable, reliable, loyal, true, trustworthy, devoted, truthful. Hey, that's great. Even matches up with the thesaurus. But you know, in my 10 years of asking leadership groups, I've never heard the most important definition of faithful according to the Bible. Do you know what that definition is? Multiplication. You say multiplication? How do you define multiplication and faithful? Simple. Jesus tells a parable about this great wealthy man who calls his servants. I'm going to actually read it to you. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man, this is Matthew 25, traveling to a far country who called his own servants, not outsiders, his servants, and delivered his goods to them. Why is he delivering his goods? He's making them stewards. And you know what he says to them? Do business until I return. 
not hide when COVID's going on. Good preaching, John. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay, that's why I love Pastor Rob. He didn't hide. He led you, and he led you well. Amen. So I'm going to personalize this so we can have fun with it, okay? So this, this, this great Lord gives Ashley five talents. Now, what is a talent? A talent's a bag of silver. And how many of you know when Jesus tells a parable, he's never really talking about what he's talking about? Right? I mean, wheat is people, good people. Tares are evil people. Seed is the word. Reapers are angels. Need I go on? He's not talking about a bag of silver. He's talking about our gifts. Charisma, because that's what we're made stewards of. So Ashley gets five. Isn't that interesting? Dave gets two. And Larry, no offense if your name's Larry, gets one. Okay, what do Ashley and Dave do? They do exactly what the master says. They do business. And you know what they do? They multiply what was entrusted to them. Ashley goes from what? Five to 10. Dave goes from two to four. Larry maintains. He starts with one and ends up with one. Doesn't lose anything. He maintains. You still with me? So let's look at the judgment. After a long time, the Bible says long time, twice. The master comes back. And Ashley and Dave's judgment, the words are identical. It's two verses in Matthew, Matthew 21 and Matthew 23. Their judgments are identical. Look at their judgments. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, if that's all he says, we can't equate faithfulness with multiplication. But look what the next statement is. You were faithful. There is no other action or virtue ascribed to these two other than the fact they multiplied. Go read that parable 50 times and you will not find another thing is mentioned about what they did. So you know what Jesus just did? Directly equated faithfulness with multiplication. Good preaching, John. Thank you very much. Larry maintains. Everybody say maintains. Why? Then he, Larry, who had received the one town, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Well, here's the first reason that caused him to maintain. He didn't know the character of his dad, of his master. Number two, and I was afraid. Fear will cause the gift of God to go dormant in you. Fear, intimidation, timidity will cause it to go faster than anything else. This is the reason people don't multiply, because of fear, because of intimidation, because of timidity, hesitancy. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Now I want you to see his judgment. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Notice he doesn't say wicked and lazy outsider. This guy's in the kingdom. Now how many of you know Jesus doesn't use words carelessly like we do? Then we better get some understanding. How can he call his servant wicked? All right, first of all, lazy. I think we all get that one. We shrink back or hesitate from engaging in something worthwhile. What does the word wicked mean? It means possessing a serious fault and consequently being worthless in regard to our labor. So what does this mean? What does this mean? God views those who multiply as faithful. Those who maintain as lazy. You know, we think, oh, I come to church. I'm an usher. I got my nice little business over here. My family's provided for. I'm faithful. Mm, not according to this parable. I've made more money than my parents. 
We're doing well. I can give a little here. I'm cool. Mm, no. Not according to this parable. After I preached this message in a leadership conference, I had one of the top developers in Los Angeles come up to me afterwards and said, John, I've made so many millions of dollars and I'm in my late 50s and I entered into a mentality of maintaining. And he said, I am so convicted. Yeah, I said, to whom much is given, much is required. That's my greatest temptation. I turned 62 in a week and a half. Just coast, John. God's told us to do something here in the last three months that I think is just crazy. But of course it's crazy. Because the wisdom of God doesn't make sense to the natural mind. I'm thinking, God, I could have just settled. And God's like, no. You've prayed that you want to be maximum efficiency in my kingdom. So you're going to do this now. I'm like, okay. Is it emotional? Yeah. But I don't care. I'm not of this world. I'm visiting here. And I don't care. I don't care. Paul said, I've learned to abase. I've learned to abound. I don't care because I'm a pilgrim. My home's in the throne. That's where I live. That's where I belong. I don't belong here. So I hold everything loosely. I hold my Detroit Lions loosely. And it's really easy to do because they give me good reason to. I make sure nothing gets a hold of me more than building the kingdom of God. My master told me to occupy until he comes. And that's why I'm passionate about it. And I don't care if I live in a 400 square foot hotel room 229 nights a year. I don't care. I'm not seeking comfort here. I'm not seeking security here. And neither should you. And a lot of times that's what causes you to shrink back and not multiply. Because it's risky. Yes, when God tells us to do something, it's risky. When you step out of a boat onto an ocean, it's risky. But when the master says, come, you got no choice. Still with me? Good. Just want to make sure. All right. It's going to get worse. Let me prepare you. So here's what the master said. So take the talent from Larry and give it to Ashley, who has 10 talents. What? Can I put up the math? Larry starts out with one and ends up with zero. Ashley starts out with 10 and ends up with 11. I'm in prayer a few, a few years ago, and I read this parable. I hadn't read it in months. And I'm praying one morning, and the Holy Spirit goes, I don't think socialistically. I think more capitalistic. Now, remember God said, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. And I said, whoa, 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 what did you just say? I actually said, what did you say? He said, son, I am more capitalistic in the way that I think, not socialistic. Now, I said, God, I am never talking about that from a pulpit, <laughs> especially in Minnesota. <laughs> and I said, you're going to have to give me scripture. I, can, I, can, I, see, I see you as more socialistic. He brought me over to this parable of talents. He said, okay. Let me show you what the socialistic God would have done. He would have given Ashley three, Dave three, and Larry three. Now, of course, Ashley and Dave are faithful, so what are they going to do? They're going to multiply. 
What's Larry going to do? He's going to maintain. So Ashley's going to have six. Dave's going to have six. Larry's going to have three. Then the socialist of God would have taken one from Ashley, one from Dave, given it to Larry. So they all ended up with five. There it is. No, Ashley ended up with 11. Larry ended up with zero. Now, this is really where it gets tough. This is the next statement out of Jesus' mouth. For to everyone who has, in relationship to this parable, who has? Those who multiply, Ashley and Dave. For to everyone who has, so I'm going to read it that way. For to everyone who multiplies, more will be given, and he or she will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, let's read according to the parable, but from him who maintains, even what he has will be taken away. That is not a socialistic thinking God. Look up at me. I want everybody to listen to me. God never told us to take care of the lazy. He said, take care of the poor and the needy. In fact, in fact, do you know what he said about the lazy? He said, they don't even eat. They will not even eat. But socialism will give them eat, something to eat if they're lazy. Why? Because socialism doesn't line up with the scripture. Good preaching, amen, thank you very much, even in Minnesota. Hey, I'm over 60 now, I'm gonna say the truth whether you like it or not. I don't care, I really don't care. I'd rather have Jesus smiling when I leave this city than you. Good preaching, thank you very much. I just love, I'm gonna watch Rachel the whole time I preach because she's just got the biggest smile on her face and she just blesses me because she loves truth. <laughs> got a friend of mine, I just talked to him three days ago on the phone, his name's Mike Rogers. So Mike, when he got saved at 11 years old and at the age of 35, he said, I got fed up with being a fruitless Christian. That's his exact words to me. It's in the book, I write about it. So he said, John, at 35, I said, God, I've been a fruitless Christian for 20 years, over 20 years. So the first thing he did is he memorized 2,000 scriptures over a six-month time period. Smart guy. He wanted to get the wisdom of God because he knew getting the wisdom of God is like sharpening an axe, and you'll cut down more trees. So he said, I'm going I'm to memorize 2,000 scriptures. So he said, in that six-month time period, he went to a conference. He said, he was so broke, he had to stay with 22 interns in a two-bedroom apartment. And... During the conference, the leader said, I want you to pray about what God wants you to give. So the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, Mike, I want you to give $200. Mike's rebuttal was, God, that's all I have. And you know what the Holy Spirit said back? I'm not asking you for any more. <laughs> so he said, I gave everything I had. I didn't even have gas money to get back home now. He said, well, I got home. And he said, God started giving me some ideas. Started implementing the ideas. And he said, God challenged me and said, give $100 above your tithe. He said, so that year I gave $100 every month above my tithe. So the next year, God said, give $400 above your tithe. So the next year I did it. I gave $400 above my tithe. Next year, it was 1000 Next year it was 1,500, next year it was 2,500, next year it was 4,000, next year it was 5,000. Next year it was $10,000 above his tithe every month. He said, then it went to 15,000. He said, John, then it really kicked in. 
I said, then it went to 25,000, then it went to 35,000, then it went to 40,000, then it went to $50,000 above his tithe every single month. He said, then it went to 100,000. And the last time I talked to him, it was 150,000 every month above his tithe. I asked him, I said, Mike, what do you live on? What you make every year, what do you live on? He said, I live on roughly 10 to 15%. That's what my accountants tell me. He said, I give 85 to 90% of my income away to the kingdom. What's his gift? Giving. Is he fruitful? Is he multiplying? Yes. Is his reward great? Oh, you better believe it. See, let me tell you something. There's going to be a judgment seat in which believers are judged. We're not going to be judged for our sins. We're going to be judged by what we did with the gifts that we were entrusted with. For some of us, everything we did will be burned up. And we will enter into eternity like somebody that just went through a wall of flames. Can you imagine the day you retire? Everything is lost. I'm talking about here on earth. Your house burns, your bank closes, social security goes bankrupt, and your IRAs all fall to nothing. That's a bad day. Do you know there's people that are going to enter into eternity in that state? They're going to be saved, but it's through fire because they didn't use their gifts. They were comfortable. They were a Laodicean Christian. Yes, you are a child of God in Christ Jesus, and you can never earn that. But no, you don't get rewards as a free gift. And I'm talking eternal rewards. Do you know no changes will ever be made at that judgment seat? Whatever's decided will be for eternity. They're called eternal judgments. Don't get scared of the word judgment. It means decision. They are eternal decisions. You choose. Am I going to be a fruitless Christian like Mike was for 24 years? Or am I going to be one like Ashley and Dave who multiplies? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you've given to us today. And I'm so grateful. So grateful for your wisdom. So grateful for the privilege of being able to labor with you to build your kingdom on this earth. Father, I thank you now for drawing men and women to your heart. Now, you can never do what I have preached to you today to the efficiency of which I preach unless you have a genuine relationship with your creator. The only way to ever have a genuine relationship with your creator is give your entire heart and life to him. There are some people that think all I have to do is pray a prayer, all I have to do is read my Bible, all I have to do is come to church once in a while. Nope, 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 a thousand times no. The Bible is so clear that Jesus is the groom, the church is the bride. The only way that we can have a relationship with our creator is to do what a bride does on her wedding day. And you know what that bride does? She says goodbye to 3.9 billion guys. She says goodbye to dating, goodbye to flirting. This is the one man I'm giving myself to the rest of my life. For some of you, you still have lovers. You still have the Vikings. You still have hunting. Your little cabin in the woods or at the lake. Your snowmobiling. You're deceived. You really do not have an authentic relationship with Jesus. I want to tell you this because I don't want you to be one of those that hears, I don't know who you are Depart from me. I don't have a relationship with you. But Jesus, we prophesied in your name. We, we, we believed in, we were Pentecostal. We, we did works in your name. Come on, come on, come on. I, I never really knew you because 
you never entered into a relationship to me like a bride does with a groom. If you're sitting here this morning, you say, man, that's me. That's me. I want to give my life to an authentic relationship with Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just, oh, wow. Look at the hands going up. Put them up high. No bride's ever been ashamed. Okay, do one more thing. Stand up. No bride's ever been ashamed of her groom. Just stand to your feet right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's about 20 of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? I want to make sure nobody's missed. This is too important. Anyone else? Okay, those of you that say, I am a genuine believer, but I'm, I've been a little more fruitless. I've not been multiplying. Then I want you to stand up with these, these 20 people that are standing right now because I want to pray for you too. Gosh, I'm so proud of this. This is why I love this church. This is why my home church in Minnesota. I want you to pray this with me. Say this. I want you to say it from your heart. Please don't let this just be a regurgitated words that I'm saying and you're repeating. I want you to say it from your heart. Change the words if you want. Just make sure it's from your heart. Say this with me. God in heaven. Say it out loud. Everybody seating, help them. Okay, God in heaven. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. I realize I've lived life my way. Apart from you, my creator. But today... That's all changing. On this day, May 23rd, 2021, I give my spirit, soul, and body everything I am, everything I have to you, Jesus. Jesus, you are now my Lord, and I'm now your bride. I'm your younger brother or sister. Wow, what a privilege. Now I want you to say this, Father, you said I can come boldly to the throne of grace. So I'm doing it. Come on, say it boldly. I'm doing it. So Father, there is need in my world of influence. I'm asking you for grace in a time of need. I want to multiply. Help me to discover my gifts, to develop them, and to multiply them. In Jesus' name. Now give him praise. Hey Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Hey, okay. Hey, okay. I got a chapter and a half out of the book. <laughs> okay. There's so much more on how to discover your giftings, the motivation behind your giftings, engaging your gifts, and multiplying your gifts. I didn't even talk about it. So the book is out there. Now, do you remember how I always had a course to go with the book? Remember? Come on, your family. You remember how I always did that? Remember how we charge like almost $100 for the book and the course, right? Guess what? We've made a decision as a ministry. We're giving all our courses away. <laughs> so there are over 30 courses. Three of those 30 courses go in along with this book. The title of the courses are called, Gifted, and Multiplied. So now you can do this in your small groups. You can do it as a family. You can do it by yourself. How do you get this two and a half million dollar app that we just developed that it, there is no charge for. Everybody say no charge. I'm gonna put a QR code up. You see the QR code? Go to your phone camera right now, right now, while we're together and put it right on there and it'll bring you to the link and you'll be in in 30 seconds. I want you to listen to me. This app is in 110 languages. It's four months old. 
it's been downloaded in 205 nations and over 10,600 cities in the world. We just got a testimony from a man in Iran. The secret police confiscated everything, raided their house. They had to get rid of Bibles and all of our books that we had given because we've given over 2 million books in Iran and, and courses. His wife came in happy. She said, messenger came out with an app. He said, they stayed up till midnight. They turned on the app and they stayed up for hours. And he said, I felt like I was a prisoner released from death and I had air to breathe again. Okay, if they're that desperate, can we realize the gift that God has given us? There are over 30 courses on there and we just invite you to please share, share. Have you ever been able to give somebody a two and a half million dollar gift? I haven't but now I can. And that's why on my phone, I've sent out to hundreds of my friends the link so that they can enjoy these courses. We've got, we've got programs for kids. We've got programs for, um, for listening, for watching, for reading. Okay, the, I've got, we put eight books on there. What the publishers are selling, we actually were able to get the rights back and we put eight books on the app. So you don't have to buy those X's and on there. Sorry about that. But anyway, we got eight other books. Okay, story of marriage is on there. You can go through for your marriage. We got the course and the book on there for free. We got Holy Spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday. I just had Topper text me and said, John, I went through all six Holy Spirits. Okay, please share this with people you know and love. I love you, church, so very, very much. Hey, you're the best. Welcome Pastor Rob as he comes back. <laughs>